Michelle. Geordie. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? Oh, I said I think first. we said that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how you are. No, I do. Of course I do. Did you not almost get killed in an avalanche this week? Oh, man, they've been crazy. The whole town was cut off. No one could get in. No one could get out. Not a single... You said there was no food? No, there's no food on the shelves. What are you eating? Well, we've been eating, like, dodgy tin food. Honestly, like one of those (laughs) doomsdayers. (laughs) Do you have a little uh, cellar full of baked beans? And no wonder you've been boop, boop. Oh, God, don't even. I'm full of fart these days. (laughs) I think it's the hormones. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I'd say it's the tinned beans that you've been having to survive on since the avalanche. No, do you know what? There's been no beans in the diet, really. Oh. I don't know what the hell it is. But anyway, we're fine. Oh, okay. So. It's all good. You're all right now. The ups and downs of alpine living. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, you make it sound like it's all champagne, high days and holidays. But actually, there are some, you know, some realities to deal with. You could die in an avalanche. Yeah. And actually... Ah, uh, you know, one of Andres's friends quite a few years ago had had a bad accident and, oh, and no. died in an avalanche. So, you know, it's a it's serious stuff, really serious, quite scary. On that bright note, Michelle, um, before we all get really <laughs> sad, um, I'm sorry to hear about that. But I'd like to welcome our listeners to Eavesdroppin'. You didn't say anything. Eavesdroppin'. Oh, one, two, three. What's happening? It's dropping. Yes, welcome anyway. to our weekly dose of chit chattery. Michelle is that one. I'm this one. I'm Geordie. I'm the tall one. I'm the short one. so michelle last week's episode we got quite a lot of uh, new listeners actually and i just wanted to give a little shout out to uh linda's mum jet who got in touch and she's now listening to the whole back catalogue hi jet hi jet i think i told you that she told me something quite funny and i was going to tell you about it today she remembers when i was pregnant with my adult son and yes. uh, she, she, she and her mother, so Linda's grandmother, took Linda and I on a shopping trip to Nowra Fair, which was the only place you could get your fashions back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I was barefoot and Linda's nan thought that I didn't have a fat. She said to Jet, where's her family? That poor girl, does no one love her? We should buy her some shoes. Oh, no, she didn't realise you were just a hippy-dippy. Well, that's what Jet says. But to be honest, she said, oh, she's just a hippie. But to be honest, I'm not sure that it wasn't because no shoes would have fit me at that time because I tend to swell up like a beach ball. Oh, God, it's... Yeah, but come on, pair of thongs. Pair of thongs. Could have worn thongs, couldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe I was being a hippie. So there you go. (laughs) Hi, Jet. And also over in Berlin, we have the lovely Terry Terrence. Terrence Whitaker has joined (gasps) the... He's joined the fray. He's listening and he's sharing it with all his fashion friends. Terry is a fashion friend of mine from long ago. Oh, I remember Tezza. Hello, Terry. Hi, Terry. Oh, nice of you listening. And I have a couple of apologies. Just the pronunciations of Glenoid. You were Is right. that the correct way? It Glenoid. was Glenoid. I don't know if you were. You said it was. Yeah, it's not Glenoid. It's oh, that sounds like a village in Scotland. <laughs> it was Glenoid. And Doctor Lung, you were right, Doctor Lung. 
Okay, not long, there you go. Not because Leo. you are a stickler for pronunciation. I we still am. not we still never got to the bottom of Launceston, Launceston. Oh, we did. Um, it's Launceston in Australia and it's Launceston here in England. Well, that's like Houston and Houston. Huh? Yeah, okay, forget it. What? In New Who York. Who says Houston? Oh, that's no, but that's different. That's the street, isn't it, in New York, Houston? Yes, and you go to Houston. Is yeah, it's spelled the same. It's something different. Oh, is it? Okay. Spelt the same. Right. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, I had lots of lovely feedback about yeah. last week's episode. Um, my sister said she thought Linda's story was absolutely amazing. Well, it is. It is amazing. Linda's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah she is. Honestly, I, I still get goosebumps thinking about what she's been through and, and how far she's come. So absolutely brilliant. Not um, only that, but Linda has inspired me to... Get a mammogram? <laughs> no, okay. I've, I've had one of those. Uh, no, not to sweat the small stuff. Of course. I mean, that's something we all have to remember. Yeah, to look at things with a different perspective. Because yeah. you don't really appreciate what you've got until you, you almost lose it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got other... Uh, a couple of Apologies. other... Apologies. <laughs> First of all, Jen... Oops. Hi, Jen. Not Whenever sure you say was... that at the top of the show, I get I get a bit scared. Have we upset her? <laughs> oh, look, I don't think she she liked my my portrayal of her cancer story that much. Sorry, Sorry about that, Jen. Jen. And she did say that um, it was donuts as well as chocolates to <gasps> okay. the nurses. Sorry, Sorry about that. that and right. I think I was only in the hospital for around four to five weeks, not six to eight. But honestly, it felt like a long, long time. I actually don't really, really remember how yeah. long I was in there for. Well, you were there and that's the most important thing, uh, Michelle. Yeah. You were there when she needed you. I was there with those nurses looking at Jen's splendid array of 90s. I didn't <laughs> mention that last week. A nighty for every occasion. She did. She. My favourite two were the one with like photograph of... Uh, kitten fluffy orange kitten with party hat on called party animal <laughs> and her and my all-time favorite one in like comic writing party all night sleep all day that's mum <laughs> in the hospital <laughs> the nurses loved her 90s she was the, the queen of the comedy 90s so. fantastic yeah bring those back and also, I think I do have to have a little apology to Ben Mendelssohn because, quite Why? frankly, we've ignored him. Oh, sorry, Ben. We've been ben. Ignore, ignoring him for the last couple of But episodes. have you seen that I've turned his um, iconic uh, quote, uh, you two better watch out. We don't <laughs> like anything around here. I've made him sound like Dickie Knee. Do you remember Dickie Knee from <laughs> no. Hey, Hey, It's Saturday? It was that little thing at the front of the television. It was just like the back of the head of a schoolboy. Yes, he I do now. Like that. Oh my god! You two better watch out. Man, no, I can't sit around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I had watched Animal Kingdom, which obviously inspired my okay. uh, my latest video attempt. Yes, the pizza. Come on, pizza. Come on, ping pong. But also, I mean, I have to say, he was astonishing in that. Was he? And we're taking the piss. So, uh, oh, and the website's up. Everybody. Website. Okay, so you want to have a look? Um, and it's yeah, called? There it is. Uh, eavesdroppingpodcast.com. And we have, it's funny, Michelle, um, talking about memories and people having fake memories and whatever. 
I had a dream that you told me we had a YouTube t- channel. And we do. And we do. But th- that was because you actually told me it wasn't I a dream. I think I did tell you. <laughs> I got confused between dreams and reality. Oh, so, well, and on that note of... Are we segueing very awkwardly into our story badly, for this week? Badly, badly. All right. Well, what are we talking about this week, Geordie? Hometown murders are back, I'm afraid, Michelle. <gasps> Part two. Part two. <laughs> this time, uh, I've got a story about a, an awful murder, double murder, that happened in my hometown where my parents still live, in the street where I lived since I was a teenager and where my parents were living at the time of the murders. Fuck, I didn't realise was in. it was in the same street. It's like a few doors down from where my parents oh live. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this it happened in 2008. That is not that long ago. Not that long ago. In the little town of Batemans Bay where I was raised. So one day I asked my parents, oh, is it what, you know, I ring them and I say, how's it going, mum and dad? And sometimes they'll, they'll say things like, oh, there was a riot the other day. Yes, all the boys what? came up from the pub. And I know. I'm like, What? And then another time they said there was a double murder. And that was the shocking thing of all. I'm sorry. We we live in London. We've lived in London. Yeah. For a long time. Yep. Southeast London, Peckham, Brixton. Yeah. I don't think I've ever said to Jen, oh, yeah, and then, then there was a murder yesterday. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. I know. Peter's it's shocking. Bay is more scary than London. Well, when I, when I go back to mm. that part of Batemans Bay, which is right on the beach, it's, it, ha- it has been feeling less and less safe. I'm, so, I'm happy to say my parents have moved from there now. So oh, I feel a lot better it. about it. But not that it's murder mile or anything. It was just very unfortunate. And I just want to preface this episode by saying that there are victims, obviously, and their families, plus the perpetrator and that person's family. And we don't mean any disrespect, but we want to tell the story. Because Hazel, my uh, psychic... Real estate Real estate friend, yes. (laughs) Was the one that filled me in on all the details because she had a front row seat almost to the goings on of that day back in 2008. Fuck. What was she showing a house on that street? It was a rented house. But this is how she tells it. I'm going to let Hazel's words take over now. So brace yourselves. Here she comes. I was upstairs in the office and the property management were in a bit of a fluster as there had been a crime scene established at one of the properties that we rented and they needed to get keys for access and contact the owner. Hang on, hang on. The crime was committed in the house that she was renting. Fuck! Oh my God! That their estate agent was renting. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, wow. Yeah. I have blinkers on at work, so didn't take much notice, but heard it was a property on Beach Road, Bait Haven. Hello, that's where I used to live. Oh, my God. That's where my parents used to live. I've got to stop saying, oh, my God, but this is an oh, my God episode. (laughs) By mid-morning, I had to go on an appointment, and there was a lady sitting on the step of our office drinking a can of rum and coke. I thought, wow. (laughs) It's early, but who am I to judge? (laughs) She was wearing jeans, cleaned, freshly washed hair, and clean clothes. She looked like a soccer mum who didn't want to go home after putting the kids on the bus. Hmm. Coming back an hour later, she was still there, still drinking. And as I'm a friendly soul, I smiled as I walked up up towards the agency steps. She looked at me straight in the eyes and immediately I sensed that she was going to want to fight me. If (laughs) If I had held her stare, she would have hurled abuse or started throwing punches. Her eyes were black. Her pupils so dilated, it was like looking at evil. Full 
fight response. I just dropped my eyes and smiled and pretended that she had disappeared suddenly. Do you ever do that when you're walking past people? Just go, suddenly feel really awkward and just pretend like, yep. you're not there. <laughs> I can't see you Queen in the supermarket. That- do you know what, though? The problem is my eyesight's getting so shit these days. That that actually, actually for real. It, I, for reals, I don't see people. So, yeah. <laughs> it was like all my hair stood on end and I felt sick to my stomach. We know about Hazel and her, her oh, she's psychic got a abilities. Gift. She's yeah. got a gift. Her intuition. Yeah. Anyway, she remembers, going back to Hazel, I remember telling my PA that no one should go near her. There were some rumblings about the lady outside who had been there all morning, but no one said any more. A little while later, I decided to go and buy some fags at the news agency next door and intended <laughs> to go and have a dozer round the corner. Michelle, do you want to explain what a dozer is? I don't even know. You, have you to don't explain know what a dozer is. What the hell's a it's dozer? It's short for a durry. Okay. Do you know what a durry is? No. It's a cigarette. It's Australian oh, slang for cigarette. It is. You wouldn't yes. know because you don't smoke. I bet Ben Mendelssohn would know. He's he going to have a dozer with his brown lemonade. Oh, I'm just going to get myself a brown lemonade and a dozer. <laughs> Dari. All right. As I walked outside, there were people waiting for the local bus, sitting, minding their own business. I can see exactly where she is. I know exactly where she is oh, in the God. town. This lady now, on her next drink, decided unprovoked to pick a fight with a guy that I would have given a wide berth to. So she was right. She was like spoiling uh-huh. for a fight, this woman. Yep. He had a white, the guy that she was um, spoiling for a fight with, he had a white bandana on under his sports cap, three earrings in one ear and some missing laterals. What's a lateral? Incisor? Teeth? Huh? Teeth? No. no. I had a feeling it might be like the, the this bit here. That's a septum. The bit no, between I think, your nose. I think she's talking about teeth. Laterals? Lateral incisor? Am I making that up? Maybe. Okay. I think he's got, I think he's toothless. All right. Anyway. Okay. She started screaming at him for no reason and wanting a fight. I was like, whoa, soccer mum is one angry chick. <laughs> he said, I don't even know you. We don't like Henderson's around here. He said, I don't even know you. Get away from me. That's my best <laughs> missing lateral. Yeah, he wouldn't have been talking like that. Well, I like Henderson's around here. Anyway, she then asked him if he knew where she lived. She repeated her address over and over again. The news agent then rang the police. So I snuck out to have a secret cigarette, a.k.a. Daza, <laughs> and watch from a safe distance. So it was almost like a big show going on. Does the bus help? pulled up. Yeah. So the bus pulled up. Then she harassed a poor old fellow with his wheelie shopping trolley. She was right up in his face. So he decided to step away and take the other bus. As you would. Absolutely. Don't you hate it when that happens? And they sit next to you. Always. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And there's loads of other seats. (laughs) She got on as the police arrived. They followed her on the bus, said a few words, and she was compliant. Everyone moved on with their lives. And I went back to work thinking, what a nut job. You know, obviously, you can judge in a situation like that, can't you? Because she's just seen this complete thing unfurl all morning in front of her. But also, too, let's not forget, she was spotted drinking rum and cokes from early in the morning. So yeah. she's probably fucking smashed. Absolutely. So anyway, back to Hazel. I worked until late and had heard about the fact that there had been a double murder at such and such number on Beach Road. The reports were stating 
that it was a horrific scene. Okay. Driving home, going through my day, I then had this lightning bolt. Oh my God, the address she kept repeating. Crikey, it was only four or five doors down. Okay. What if she didn't want to go home? What if she was waiting for the heat to die down? By the time I got home, I'd cracked the case. I gave my hypothetical story to Hubby and he told me to phone the police. Good work. Absolutely. I phoned them sheepishly with my story and the next minute I'm on the phone with a detective. The next morning, there are news crews everywhere in the bay and I was asked to go to the police station to give a statement. Born with a highly attuned, nearly photographic memory, I was able to provide them with a very in-depth story. I mean, is there no end to Hazel's talents as I well? I know. She's incredible. Yeah. Jealous. They broke the mould. <laughs> Two nights later on the national news, I saw the woman, but with a blurred face, being handcuffed and put into a police car. The detective rang me 10 minutes later and asked me to come back into the station. I then had a video interview where they provided me with printed photos of 10 or 12 women with dark hair and of a similar age. I circled the one that I knew was her and I was right. They had gone to the address and there had been evidence from the house and other interviews that put the pieces together. She was arrested and charged with the murders. Murders? Murders. Two people died. A hunch? A sixth sense? I had locked eyes with a killer. The family got a message to me through friends of friends to say thank you. But I think I was just a tiny piece of the puzzle, to be honest, as lots of things came to light. Intuition is my thing. And we know that about Hazel. Thank you for your story, Hazel. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, background on what actually happened to 86-year-old Ken Kite. I'm going to call him. It's K-E-Y-T-E and his wife, 71-year-old wife, Margaret. Okay. They were found dead in their home on August 10, but it's believed that they died possibly the day before. Okay. They were victims of a violent attack. The bashings were so gruesome and savage, formal identification was hampered. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. You didn't even do a trigger warning, Geordie. I'm sorry. So what happened, what they believe happened was there was a neighbour, Tracy Lee Pratt, who is the lady that Hazel saw. She was arrested for for the murders. After the couple's death, rumours circulated that they had become become involved in an argument about Pratt's cat being caught in a possum trap by the kites or kates. I don't know how to pronounce their name. Hang on, so let me just so let me just unravel that. So so Tracy is a neighbour. Yeah. She's a neighbour. Yeah. The kites are the old couple that got murdered. Yes. They had a in their rented home. Yep. Uh, okay. On Beach Road, up the road yes. from my parents, yep. So they put out a possum trap. Tracy's cat went in the possibly, possum trap. Possibly. Oh, God. All right. Okay. I think that um, there was some concern that they were being stalked by her for a little while. I'm not sure what was going on. There were rumours going on that, that I, w- I was under the impression until I spoke to Hazel that it was a, dr- a former drug house and that she was getting her supply from there and she was so desperate for it that she went in and just went berserk. But Okay. That's that rumor was put to bed. Okay. A year later, Tracy Lee Pratt was found not guilty. Forensic psychiatrist, hold not guilty. I know. Doctor Olaf Nielsen and Pratt said Pratt had been suffering mental illness for many years and was admitted to Goulburn Hospital in 2006 for paranoid delusions and psychosis. She was treated with antipsychotic medication and placed on a community treatment order for six months. Doctor Nielsen said that when that order lapsed. 
she discontinued her medication and was lost in the system. So this mm. is what happened to Tracy and this is what, what happened ultimately to the to the elderly couple, the Kites, who was brutally murdered. I mean, at the time she was suffering, uh, Miss Pratt was suffering from florid delusions that Mr okay. Kite was stalking her and wanted to steal her son and that Miss, Mrs Kite was in collusion. It was part of a raft of delusions she was experiencing at the time, including the belief the moon was about to hit the earth and that she had the raw energy to cure AIDS. Okay. How the hell did she slip through the system? She got lost in the system. And this is the danger of I think, when serious mental health breaks occur. It's, it's okay to say, oh, what a nut job. But those people need help. Lives have been ruined, not just the victims of the murder and not just the woman who's now but you know, you know I got blood on her hands yeah literally but she's I, got a family yeah and and this is my next point who in her family or her circle of friends didn't notice didn't this, notice at all who just didn't bother to step up and at least call in some kind of authority to say listen or perhaps my... there's nothing that could be done perhaps it was flagged but nothing could be done what do because, you mean nothing could be done well because it was just oh she's acting strangely Okay, well, let's just keep an eye on her then. Who knew what she was going to do next? This is the thing. It's reported Pratt knew what she was doing was legally wrong, but her mind was so diseased by paranoid schizophrenia that she did not appreciate the moral wrongness of her actions. She will remain as a forensic patient in an appropriate jail or secure hospital with regular reviews by the Mental Health Tribunal to assess her suitability to be released gradually into the community. So she won't be in prison, but she is probably still currently in some kind of secure psychiatric unit, hopefully being being kept an eye on because... Um, it's tough, isn't it? Because the mm. thing is, she has now proven that she's not sound enough of mind to understand her actions and be in the community. What do you do? These are tough questions. Absolutely. It makes me worried about... Those people that we just mentioned that slipped through the cracks, yeah, and their neighbours and family, yeah. We we need to be equipped more as individuals, I think, to be able to see the signs, but not lock everybody up equally. I mean, there's there's the opposite end of the snit. People get a bit over enthusiastic oh, about people yeah. who are might be not might not seem like they are fully compass mentis. Oh look, I don't even know what to think about that case. It's a tough one. It's yeah, a tough one. Because and it's devastating. You know, that really threw the community into a really dark place. Well, the thing is, there's a lot of ice use down on the south coast. And I yeah. thought for sure there was, you were going to ice, say there was some yeah. kind of drug well, related. That's what, they, that's what they thought initially. Now, ice, I always forget the name of it. It's ice, you're right. It's what they called, what's that thing, um, Breaking Bad? Okay. Methamphetamine. It's yeah. methamphetamine, isn't it? Yeah, it's meth. Yeah. yeah. Meth. Crystal meth. So they call it ice in Australia. Mm. And yeah, there is a lot of use of it. Yeah, right. There. So maybe, oh. I mean, it seems to be quite popular amongst the, the 30s and 40-year-olds as well for some reason. It's, I think it's cheap. You know, cheap drugs. Cheap high. I don't know. I don't know. It's not, a, it's not, it's not as popular in the UK. You know, mm. it's not like... I'd like to say that it's not popular here in the burbs. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is. Maybe people are taking it. Michelle, we're just not being invited it's to true. that party. <laughs> they don't think we're fun enough. No. Oh, <laughs> we're oh already gosh. high on life. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. So, listen, I'm really sorry about that story. Uh, it was heavy. It was dark. But well, it's a buck- hometown murder. Well, buckle up because I've got something just as dark coming oh. up. What have you got? Again, uh, hometown murder. So, Jen um, had, after we did the last one with David Pike, um, just before Christmas last year, I'd been speaking to mum and she had mentioned this cold case that has really stayed with her for decades. There have been articles about this case over the years, but what I think mum found really chilling about this case was that when it happened, um, the girl who went missing was of a similar age to my older sister. And I think it just really struck a nerve with her and... Also, at that time in Canberra, I think this disappearance was really shocking. So, you know, mum had said, oh, well, if you do another hometown murder, can you look into this one? So that's what I've done. So uh, the basics of the case are this. At midday on Saturday, July 28th, and this is in 1984, a 17-year-old girl called Megan Louise Malquini. Now, I have no idea if she's Megan, Megan, Mulquini. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing Megan. This. Megan. <laughs> no one's called Megan. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Do you know what? In Sweden, it's Megan. 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 Yeah. Megan. Anyway, Megan. Megan Mulquini. So she clocked off her shift at Big W at Woden Plaza. Now, we've been discussing Big W versus Woolworths. Do you want to just clear this up once and for all? Okay, all right. So, same parent company, uh huh, which is Woolworths. However, right. two different brands. Wait, so. in in England, Woolworths is like the pick and mix. It's like your massive pound store, but more expensive. They used to do kids' clothes, and if you needed clothes dye, that's where you'd go. Um, what else? You'd get. Oh, it's like a pound shop, but for expensive th- they were they weren't a pound. If you know what I mean. Yeah, you see, because they're gone now. They went during the recession. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, but so in we, Australia, you get your groceries at Woolworths. So Woolies, you get your groceries and Big W is more like Kmart. Okay. Got so it. you get all your everything, but not okay. groceries. So got it. It's more, yeah, variety store, you know. Okay. Clothes and shoes and snorkels and God knows whatever Snorkels. You want. Snorkels. <laughs> Why not? <It's> very random. <laughs> I know. So, this poor girl, 17 years old, Megan Mulquinney, she finished up her shift at Big W at Woden Plaza. Now, Woden Plaza is a big shopping mall on the south side of Canberra in Mm. Australia. And uh, she's never been seen since. Oh. Yeah. So, look, I would say back in 1984, uh, there was only half-day trading. Do you, do you remember, like, sh- what, shops Sundays? Would, Saturdays. Shops would close oh. at midday on a Saturday. <laughs> so all the... Don't you remember everybody would have, like, Saturday morning jobs? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Gosh. Because, because you'd start at maybe 8 and the shops would close at 12. So I think she had a Saturday morning job. Once again, like I did with the David Pike story, I've gone through archival material from the Canberra Times, which is the local paper, and... The first mention of this case is on July 30th, which is a Monday. Um, So they raised the alarm on her disappearance pretty quickly. 
um, for back then, because obviously, you know, internet things can happen immediately. But back then you had to sort of report it and, you know, it took time to get into the news. So it, it was just a small piece in the paper um, and it was your basic kind of missing persons appeal for information. So it just said she'd been missing since midday on Saturday. There you go, midday on Saturday. Okay. Last seen at Big W. Um, and that it was out of character for her to disappear without telling anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they gave a description of her. She's 150 centimetres tall. Sorry, 157 centimetres tall. Did I say that? Anyway, slightly built with fair complexion, brown eyes and shoulder length brown hair. She was last seen wearing a black velvet skirt and jacket. Very 80s. Yeah. A checkered blouse and flat black shoes. So Would that, that be the uniform? Do, you, do they have a big W uniform? I don't know. Velvet uniform? No. Nice. No. If it were, I think she got changed yeah. after work. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and she, now this article actually had a picture of her and I'll put it on the social media because the picture they posted was the one that is now the one that's used everywhere. And this is important um, because I'll talk about why this picture is important. Okay. Down the line. And you know what? She just looks so young. In, in this picture and mm. she is like quintessential early 80s. She has got this brown hair. She's got the full flicks that go down all the way to oh, shoulder length. Amazing. I mean, I wanted that flick so bad mm-hmm. back in the 80s and I could never do it as good as her. She had really good hair. Anyway, the next report is the following day on July 31st. So it's, this is three days after she's gone missing. And it's a longer news piece because by this time, I think the police had probably ruled out the possibility that she'd run away from home or that she'd just got pierced on Saturday night and staying at a friend's place or if she had a boyfriend that, you know, she wasn't staying with him. But who knows? But anyway, in this article, uh, Megan's mother, Dorothy, said Megan had never left home before without saying whether or not she might be late. And her mum also said that Megan only had the clothes she was wearing and was carrying about 10 bucks in a purse. So, and what time of year was that? Was it summer, winter? July. July, We're that's winter in July. Australia. Yeah. So it's quite cold. Really cold. So from that information, I and remember it was a Saturday, I think we can assume that she really had no intention of not going home because A, she didn't leave with an overnight bag of stuff. B, she didn't even have enough money for a Saturday night out at the private bin because, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, back then, 10 bucks, you couldn't even pay the entry and buy a fluffy duck with that amount of money. (laughs) (laughs) So, not even a blue lagoon. fluffy duck. (laughs) A blue lagoon. I got so trashed on blue lagoons when at we that same did. year, nineteen eighty four, that I ended up throwing up. It was my friend's birthday at some club somewhere. Her parents must have been just looking the other way. I ended up in the bathrooms <laughs> vomiting. At one point, I went and got because we all got done up to the nines, and I remember coming back with a tray of drinks, all blue lagoons, Jesus. Um, orgasms, oh. and fluffy ducks, <laughs> and what nipples? else is there? No, that the was tequila shot. sunrises. Oh, yeah. Big tray. And the next thing I know is my friend's face looking really close at me because I'd slipped and fell forward. 
I hit my head and then I was on the ground with the drinks all over me and I was then in the bathroom for the rest of the night and they had the girls came in one by one tried to clean me up and holding your hair back yeah (laughs) oh Mrs. Grom, we're just going to take Georgette upstairs because she she, she, she fell feeling. over and hit her head. Oh, God, Stop feeling so good. She's reeking of alcohol and vomit. Oh, Covered in blue lagoons. <laughs> fluffy ducks. Bloody fluffy ducks. Oh, fluffy duck. Oh. So, you know, I don't think Megan. No. She she wasn't out for a big night with no, ten bucks I don't in, her, think so. in her wallet. So yeah. Then it goes on to say that the morning Megan disappeared. She and some other staff um, from Big W, and it actually says that she was a bag checker at the front of the store. So she was the girl oh. who was checking your bag, security check. On the way out? Yeah. Yep. To see if you've like, shoved anything. a couple of... Yeah. yeah. But also they, they check on the way in to make sure you're not, you know, carrying well, drinks in up. and food and stuff. Don't you remember? Do they? they? To, yeah, they'd no. always check your bags for stuff. I don't think there are enough jobs to go around in the little town that I... Grew up in for them to do that. No, I don't no. Remember. Yeah, at Kmart, they always check you anyway, and they definitely check you on the way out, especially the kids. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was terrible. I remember I went into Kmart and I stole a Gemini necklace, and I had bought one of those freezies, you know, that no. you get like the the freezy drinks, and I popped it in there anyway. What's a freezy drink? Oh, you know, like they is it those triangle shaped things? No, no, it's more like, a like pyramid. You get the frozen, you know, like the frozen stuff, like the frozen drink. Oh, like shaved ice. Yeah, but a bit of freezy. Slushy, slush slushy, puppy. a slushy, slush puppy. That freezy, it. slushy. Yeah. All right, there you go. So anyway, she was. Off them. Oh God, we all did. Sorry, go on. Um, so she was a bag checker. Okay. And anyway, so her and some other uh, people that she worked with, colleagues at Big W, they'd been harassed by a dude who had been making lewd comments that morning. And it said in the paper that her mother thought that because she'd been harassed by this guy, she might have accepted a lift home with someone she didn't know very well. Oh, shit. Which, you know, she's 17. You think she knows stranger danger, but also I guess it's possible if she felt unsafe. This is in the middle of the day as well. Yeah, I know. And if she felt threatened. But, I mean, quite frankly, I would just get on an action bus and go home, you know. (laughs) But if you're feeling unsafe, who knows what action you do? Bu- do you want to just explain what an action bus is as well? <laughs> it's a camera. It's a camera. It sounds like bus. a really Orange. fast bus. No, it's full of action. <laughs> if you want some action, probably get not on as a much bus. as a, a London night bus. Oh, but God, yeah, the don't action even, bus. Don't even. It was the it was the name of the public transport company in yes. and it probably still is in Canberra. Yeah, right? maybe. Yeah. So anyway, back to this article. There were a few weird things in this article. So the first happens on the Sunday night. So the day after she went missing. So an unknown man telephoned the family, but he didn't say who he was on the phone, which is weird. Mm. And unfortunately, the article doesn't go into what he said to the family. So part of this article um, was that the police were appealing for this guy to come forward and identify himself. Never did. The second weird thing is that nobody was coming forward with a definite sighting of Megan after she'd left work. Now, it's said here that she'd left work at 12.05 on that Saturday. So it's like she just disappeared without a trace. Wow. Now, we have to remember that this is 1984, right? So CCTV, if it even existed back then. I don't think it did. I don't then. think it did. And if it did, it's certainly like 
It, it certainly wasn't like it is now, which is no. cameras on every street corner. You know, everybody can, everyone's movements can be traced. It just, it just wasn't like that. But um, I mean, God, you know, there weren't even mobiles back then. So no. the police had to rely on people coming forward and nobody was. So there was no concrete evidence that anybody had seen Megan since she'd left Big W, except for a guy called Philip Two. She went mm-hmm. to college with this guy. Now, Philip Two? Like Philip One and Philip Two? <laughs> oh. Philip T-U, Two. Okay. So she was studying in Arabunda. Oh, that's where I went. I know. So uh, I don't know what that voice was. <laughs> um. <laughs> that was your cockatoo voice. Hello, cocky. <laughs> oh, God. So she was at Narrabunda and apparently this guy, Philip, too, was a year above her. And he had a bit of a crush on her. Uh. He'd been sort of trying to ask her out on dates for quite some time. And he was actually the one that had taken this picture of her. The one I had said has become okay. the quintessential picture of her. Um, that was splashed all over the newspapers. Uh, and he'd worked up the courage to ask her out for lunch that day. And Megan was meant to meet him at 12.15 outside Big W. But according to him, she never showed up. So just to remind you, she left Big W at 12.05. And at 12.15, this guy turned up expecting to meet her. So that's a 10-minute window, Mm -hmm. right? There's so no one... she would have been standing out the front of Big W then, waiting for the date to arrive. Yes. Philip one and Philip two. <laughs> Philip two, two. And uh, <laughs> so it goes on to say that he waited around till one and then rang oh. Megan's mum at home. Now, right. like I said before, there weren't mobiles back then. So do you remember if you were arranging to meet somebody, you and they didn't turn up, the only thing you could do was, was ring... Wait. Their ring. parents ring yeah. the house phone and see if they'd left a message. Yeah, and if they hadn't, well, then you were like, "Well, what the fuck do I do?" You know, it was terrible yeah. times back then. <laughs> so, well, we didn't know any better, did we? No, Michelle? we didn't. So. We didn't know any better. Anyway, Megan's mum Dorothy thought that she could have gone on a bus home and had missed him. And at this mm-hmm. point in the article, they detail a possible route on an action bus, and they were appealing to anyone who had seen someone who fit her description to come forward. It also goes on to say they did a door knock in Mawson, where she lived, and a ground search of the bushland between Woden Plaza and her family house in in Mawson, and that they also searched the foreshore of Lake Ginandera. Now, I find this... all the way over there? That's the other side of town. Exactly my point like that's the other plaza Belconnen is on that side isn't it yes and this is why I think that's really weird because they didn't they're not searching Burley Griffin Lake Burley Griffin no, which is the where center I think she would probably have been or even the Malonglo she... which is that side of town right okay so they're not revealing why they are like you know dredging the the foreshore but I just think that's weird but anyway mm. So the next day, the 1st of August, um, Canberra Times ran with a headline saying, Girls' Disappearance Baffling, where they again just go through that there'd been no confirmed sightings of Megan. The poor family. Oh, God, can you even imagine? They must have been beside themselves. Yeah. And um, over the next couple of months, 
the there are false few small mentions of the case in the paper, but the whole story kind of gets buried. And the only mentions What was sorry, what was going on at the time? What was burying it? What else was happening in, in August of nineteen eighty four, can you think? I don't know. Wake me up before you go go. Wham? I don't <laughs> know. Gonna, I'm just gonna Google that while you continue. I will you listen. Google. Google nineteen eighty four. But yeah, August. so basically her her case got a bit buried for quite quite a few months. It was like she just, you know, she wasn't making headlines. And then, you know, there were more appeals and a few people came forward saying they'd seen her at a donut shop at the top of the escalators around right. 12.10. Another person said they'd seen her at a pie shop at 12.15. But I think it all sounds pretty dodged because is she going for donuts? Is she going for a pie? Who knows? Is she or going is she for anything? The boy? I know. She was going out for lunch. So why is yeah. she meeting anybody? I mean, why is she going there for any kind of food? So it doesn't sort of make sense. There's a report saying that she was last seen waiting near the car park at Woden Plaza at around 12.15. And look, I'm going to come back to why this is important, but Mm -hmm. keep that in your mind. So then on September 30th, this is two months after she's gone missing. There's an article that is basically an appeal from the detectives in Megan's case to any women in Canberra who might have been threatened, assaulted or abducted to Uh come forward. What? Yeah. And then it goes on to say there are two other unsolved cases in the ACT where young women have just disappeared. And they reference Elizabeth Herford, Herford, um, who was 18 when she was last seen, on June 13th in 1980, hitchhiking on Commonwealth Avenue, which is in town. It's in the centre of Canberra, late at night. And they also reference a case from February 1971 where a 20-year-old woman called Karen Rowland had left her house um, at 9 o'clock at night and her car was found a few days later without her in it. And then three months later, in May 1971, her body was found in the Pine Forest near the airport in Canberra. Now, when we put up about the hometown murders with David Pike, there were a few people that had mentioned this on the social media as this case. Oh. So maybe this is something we can come back to in the future. But anyway, mm-hmm. what I think is interesting about this, and they don't say this in the article, but the police are kind of connecting the dots between these cases right. and without saying that they are. But they're also trying to figure out if any other women have had some kind of assault or near abduction, that for any for whatever reason, they haven't told the police about. Now, what's really interesting is that five days later in the Canberra Times on October 5th, there's a report Mm. of a 17-year-old girl. Now, bear in mind, Megan was 17 when she went missing. Um, This girl had been attacked by a man in Mawson, again, (gasps) where where Megan lived, lived, who forced this girl into his car at about 5.30 in the afternoon. Two days earlier. No, oh, yeah. Fuck. And then had driven around Canberra with this girl in the car who apparently escaped while they were driving. Now, this, oh. this girl's name has never been revealed, um, okay. but she goes on to tell this really bizarre story. Uh, so the, apparently the abduction was, on, was the second time she'd come into contact with this guy. So the day before, she, he'd been driving up and down her street in Mawson. And had gone to her front door carrying a Bible and asked if he could come inside to bless her, 
bless the house and to bring Jesus into her life. Well, that's a door slammed right in your face, I'm afraid. Well, she was like, no, not interested. And he left. Then the next day, she was walking along her street on her way home at around 5.30 in the evening. The same guy approaches her, asks her to get in his car. She says, no. Smacks her in the face. Um, puts her in the car, tells her to get down on the floor, and then somehow she escapes at some traffic lights Bloody near Mawson. Fucking terrifying. That's terrifying. So this is interesting too, right? This guy is described as being 25 years old. 25! He's not even some fucking pervy old creepy dude. No. He's 25, right? Yeah, yeah. And they describe him as 180 centimetres 182 centimetres tall, broad shoulders, slight pot belly, short blonde hair. Pot belly at 25? Yeah. yeah. And short blonde hair on the top, sides and long at the back. Oh. Mullet! (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I lost it. I know, I know. (laughs) The image in my my mind. You're like, oh my God. So anyway, um, I, I imagine he's wearing a denim jerkin. It's probably well. got a jerkin on. <laughs> Been a lark since. Anyway, um, so just they're not they're not making a link between this, but they kind of are because Megan is mentioned in this article. But anyway, basically after that, the case goes cold, and a year later, um, there's a thirty thousand dollar reward offered for information leading to the discovery of Megan, but leads mm-hmm. to nothing. And then there's all this weird stuff about private investigator got involved and you know had said that he'd spoken to all of Megan's friends and she'd just run off to Europe to start a new life but it's with ten dollars yeah ten bucks it I mean none of it adds up so and look and she apparently was like a really nice uncomplicated girl who just wanted to be a teacher when she grew up Mm. and who just just was nice and also, too, you know, she's she's working at Big W. She's not raking in the big bucks, you know. No. So Australia is a very big country and, you know, probably very easy to hide somebody's remains. Yeah. And not for them not to be found. Yeah. More so than here in England. Yeah. There is, I'd say. There are whole swathes, even around Canberra, of... Just bush. bush land that nobody ever walks on. It's nothing. Mm. There's no reason to go there. So I, I, I'm going to jump forward to 2011 now. But before you do, while we're still in 1984, the only thing of note that I could for well, there's a lot of things of note that happened in Australia in 1984 newsworthy. Okay. But something that I do very much remember in September was seven people shot dead and 12 wounded in a bikey shootout between rival bikey gangs of the Bandidos and the Comancheros in the Sydney suburb of Milpera. Don't you remember that? The big shootout? Oh, vaguely, vaguely. The bikey gangs. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, that was 1984. And they were all in jerkins. I bet you. <laughs> that's <Anyway>. the uniform. <laughs> that is it where is. Ben Mendelssohn got his idea for the outfits. It's, it's his. tough. Henderson kids outfit. It's too tough. So, yeah, so look, um, poor old Megan's case goes pretty cold until Uh. 2011 when the ACT coroner's court um, on May the 3rd, 2011, uh, did an inquest into the suspected death of Megan Malquini. So, Mm. suspected death. 
That like, well, poor they haven't got family. A body, so they can't. That yeah, poor exactly. family just is still hoping one day yeah. she's going to walk through the door. Yeah. Anyway, um, so uh, she's because she's a missing person still. Anyway, mm-hmm. this inquest finally legally came to the conclusion that she was deceased. So I did some digging. I found the fucking coroner's report. Oh my god, Michelle! Yeah. yeah. And guys, I think you ju- I just need to point out that Michelle is an actual journalist. Oh. <laughs> and that's why she's so good at Googling. Oh, that's all I do, Google. But, you know, I'm going to do a trigger warning here because there's some really disturbing oh, information in this report. Okay. So hang on. How did you find a coroner's report when there's no body? Because they, they did a coroner's inquest. Oh, to I see. Legally, inquest. Right. A le- right. To legally... Like say that she was deceased because I've got it. Okay, they they just need to give some closure to this poor family. I'm on board. Yeah. Okay. So look, like I said, trigger warning, disturbing shit coming up. So what jumped out at me um, was the fact that there were two persons of interest in this case detailed in this coroner's report. First, Philip Two, of course, who later changed his name to Philip One. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry. So he changed his name to Prima Panji and became a Buddhist. The oh. second person of interest was a serial rapist called Paul Vincent Phillips. All right. So buckle up for this. Oh, I don't like him. Oh, so in the coroner's report, it says that Philip II was not a person of interest in the initial investigations back in 1984. Uh-huh. But in 2004, new information came, came to light because, like I said, he was at Narabunda, and it says in the report that Philip too had been trying to go out with Megan for a year, but she wasn't interested and had turned him down every time he yeah. asked, except for the one time she said yes on the day she went missing, right? But do we know that she did actually say yes? Whose word have we got? We don't have anyone's word. Did, did her mother know that she was going on a date with Philip too? I don't know. I, no. I don't know. I, I, I had, there was no mention of that from Dorothy, the mum. Okay. But anyway, so as we know, uh, Philip II, now um, Prima Panji, I think that's how you spell, say his name anyway, he made a statement to the police on July 30th, uh, 1984, saying he'd intend to take Megan out for lunch, uh, didn't show up, and he was interrogated at the time, but he provided a fairly consistent account each time. Plus, apparently, his story was corroborated by other people who'd seen him on that day. So I don't know who those people were, but... Here's where it gets creepy. In 2004, the Victorian police uh, contacted the Australian Federal Police saying they had information about Philip II because they had received from the Irish police force. Yeah. The Irish police had received a complaint from an Irish woman called Neve Large who'd gone to Melbourne from Ireland to study with King Panji at the Buddhist Society International. Um, in Melbourne, and she'd been tutored by this guy called Prince Ratu. This woman said to the police that during her time studying at the Buddhist Society, Prince Ratu had spoken about a male who had huge karma to pay and who was prepared to sacrifice his life because he had murdered someone when he was younger. (gasps) Prince Ratu then said the man had bought a baseball bat, hit the victim with it, knocked her out, and then had sexual intercourse with the corpse. Oh, whoops. And then he concealed the corpse 
under a bed and later disposed of it in a dumpster. Oh, And fuck. the person he was referring to was Philip too. Yeah. Right? Yes, it was. That. Yes. So the police, um, the Victorian police, like, spoke to Philip too so, about these allegations. And, of course, okay. he denied, 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 denied murdering anyone, including Megan, right? Sorry, did you want to say something? Just how come this Irish woman suddenly decided to go and tell that information to the police, do you think? Because she'd been studying with this Buddhist okay. dude. And so then... it was just a simple, like, this this Buddhist prince uh, confessed this thing about somebody there. And then she, and went she felt to... it was too much and she needed to go and I think, offload. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's to the Irish police. To the Irish police when she had left Australia and there was no comeback right. for her. Okay. You right, know. right, right, right. And then right. that's through whatever, international... Not, Interpol okay. or whatever. Yeah, that's how it all happened. So, yeah, Philip too denied, denied, denied everything, right? But, um, and he also said that, oh, maybe this Prince Ratu mentioned something and got it wrong because, you know, he talked about his guilt about Megan's disappearance. But unfortunately, mm. uh, Prince Ratu died, so he couldn't be questioned about the allegations. And there wasn't enough evidence against Philip too um, through this woman Neve's allegations, so mm. it was dropped against him. But he, but to this day, he still remains a person of interest. So on to the second person of interest, Paul Vincent Phillips. Okay, he's got a mullet. He's a fucking nasty piece of work, right? Born in 1960. I should have done the maths on this. I don't know if he was 25. At the time, that woman that I mentioned earlier. 24, 25, yep. Yeah. So, no, I don't know, actually. I don't <laughs> just know. just made that up. 60, 70, 84. He would be, yes, in 1984, he's Am I 24. Right? Yes. Okay, there I got go. it right. Yes, sorry. So, I felt really stupid. Then I felt really smart. Yeah. So, I, so the reason I mentioned that before about, remember, I think this guy could have been the, the one that was knocking before. on doors. Yeah, yeah with, with the, the Bible. Bible. Yep. Anyway. And the mullet. And the, and the, and the mullet and the pot belly. And the denim jerkin. <laughs> so this guy, fuck, man. I'm seeing Woody Harrelson playing him. Oh, ooh. Oh. Well, no. When he, you know, ben Mendelsohn, mate. It's got to be Ben. Oh, okay, Ben's got the role. I'll give it to you, Ben, because you need the work. <laughs> His career's really taken a dive. Oh. Anyway, um, this dude... Before and after the time of Megan's disappearance, he was attacking, abducting, um, and just raping women in Canberra. And also what in a piece Hobart. Of work. I know, what a creep. Where? In Hobart. Hoban. Hobart. 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 Right. Sorry. So uh, in 1983, he raped a 26 year old nurse in her home in oh. Chifley, then drove her, drove her car with her in it to the Pine Forest near Scrivener oh. Dam, oh, and ho, ho. dumped her there in her own car. Um, in 1984, police showed this woman a picture of this guy, Paul Vincent Phillips, and she identified him as being the man who raped and adopted her. Then, on July 27th, 1984, the day before Megan disappeared, yes. right? Mm. Paul Vincent Phillips was sacked from his job at a car wrecking place in Queen Bean. Um, his then partner was away on holiday in Queensland at the time. You mean partner as in girlfriend? Girlfriend, yep. Right. And... She said to police that uh, this guy, Paul Vincent Phillips, told her that during the weekend following his dismissal from his job, he was very upset, depressed, distraught. And 
in police interviews, this guy has absolutely no alibi, no recollection, no nothing of where he was on July 28th, the day Megan disappeared. Um, So then he moved to this caravan park in Queanbeyan, right? On August 27, 1984, so a month after Megan's disappearance, a 20-year-old woman reported to the police that she'd been sexually assaulted in her flat in Queanbeyan. She'd apparently been dragged out of the bath. Oh, my God. Forced into her bedroom where she was raped. She then had $37 nicked from her (gasps) purse. Now, no one... I need to go and lock my doors. Oh, I know. Now, look, no one was ever charged with this assault, but get this. Paul Vincent Phillips, who we know had just moved to Queen Beanne to a caravan park, Mm. he was uh, one of the police suspects. And a day earlier, on the 26th of... August 1984, the manager of the caravan park asked for his rent. Dude gave him four bucks. He said, I don't have it. Next day, he mm. had 30, all the money. Six, yeah. To, well, it was, he had tw- the $28 in cash, oh. right? Join right. those dots. Then later, a few days later on the 6th of September, and we're still in 1984, he was evicted from that caravan park in Queen Bean, and he moved to another one in Fishwick. So, a week later, on the 14th of September, a 33-year-old woman was assaulted in a car park in Fishwick. She described a guy who looked like Paul Vincent Phillips and told police he attempted to force her into her car, slapped her, and then when she began to scream, he let her go. He was never convicted of that, but he admitted to it and said he needed the money and was out to rob her. Hmm. So then... Buckle up, because I've got a few more bits to this story. Oh, lordy. So then, on the 21st of September, 1984, he abducted a 17-year-old girl in the same fucking car park at Woden Plaza, where Megan had last been sighted. Do you remember I mentioned that earlier? Yeah. He made this girl get in the car. He drove her to... Uriara Pine Forest, where he raped her and threatened to kill her. He then dumped mm-hmm. her in Lyons and took off in her car. Now, he was arrested for this the next day um, and admitted to everything and was sentenced to seven years with a non-parole period of four years. But he got out after four years, right? And on November 28, 1988, he was arrested in Tasmania for attempting oh to abduct God. and assault a 24-year-old woman at a shopping centre. It's non-stop It's though, fucking with this guy. tick, 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 right? And he pleaded guilty and he was sentenced to another three years. Skip three. Three. That's it. Fucking hell. Anyway, skip forward 10 years um, to April 15th, 1998. He picked up an 18-year-old hitchhiker in Hobart, threatened her with a knife, drove her to his house, raped her repeatedly until she escaped that night. He was convicted Jesus. and then released in January 2008. So for the coroner's report, they interviewed him and yeah. they said outright, did you kill Megan? And he said yeah. no. So, because that would have been the only murder on his rap sheet. Yeah, because he's, only, he's only got abductions up till this point. Yeah. So then there was a psychiatric report conducted on this guy, Paul Vincent Phillips, and the conclusion was that his pattern of abduction – the timing of Megan's disappearance and the way he always attacked after he'd had some kind of trauma strongly indicated that he was the one 
that abducted mm-hmm. Megan. And in this case, do you remember, he was sacked the day before he yeah. abducted, well, before she went missing. So, look, I don't know. But in 2011, he still remained a person of interest because of these similarities, because of the assaults uh, he was convicted of, their locations, and the fact that Megan fit the profile of all his victims. Now, apparently, all these women were petite, had childlike features and dark hair, exactly like Megan. And also, there were three attacks that happened in a car park. And apparently, like I said earlier, she had been sighted in the car park outside Woden Plaza in the same car park where he abducted that 17-year-old two months after Megan went missing. Oh. So... Wow. Here we are in 2021 and yeah. I am really fucking sad to say that this case is still one of Canberra's longest running missing persons cases and okay. there's still no answers, not for the family and no answers for the community mm. and the case has gone cold. However, what's interesting though is that in April 2018, this guy, fucking mullet man, Paul Vincent Phillips died. Does he still have a mullet? He's dead now. He oh, died in okay. 2018. Um, and I don't know how. It doesn't, doesn't say. Okay. But after he died, the police received loads of fresh information about Megan's case that related to him. So oh. who knows? All I'll say is there's got to be people out there who know what happened and who mm-hmm. live with that guilt. So, look, even though the case has gone cold... The Megan Mulqueney investigation, it's its still active, you know. Yeah. So if anyone knows anything or has information, it's not too late to go to the police. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes of how people who may know something or have heard any kind of snippet can can get in touch with Crime Stoppers or the police. So Great, great idea, Michelle. Yeah. Well done. And great research. Oh, I mean, that's amazing. I know, but I feel, you know, I feel like there's no fucking conclusions here. There's no You want to do something. Yeah. Yeah, but also, you know, for Jen, who obviously this, this case has stayed with her for decades. Mm-hmm. So mm. that's, that's the case of Megan Mulquinney. It's terrifying to think that this happens in your hometown, yeah. but it does. So people, eyes it open. Does. I don't, don't feel, feel don't feel safe people <laughs> <laughs> don't rest on your laurels oh god <laughs> oh, right. keep those doors locked so there you go um like i said if anyone's got any information look at the show notes and yeah until next week yes with that lovely bright spring in your step <laughs> Eaves, drop your way out of here. And Michelle and I will be back next week with another topic. Eaves, drop it. Eaves, drop it.